I should steal pastor's Bible because any man who leads a church like this, I want your Bible, bro. This is, this is amazing. I'm so grateful to be here. Hey, y'all, I'm your new cousin. In case you didn't know, me and pastor are brothers. We are twin brothers. That's right, white chocolate and dark milk chocolate came together in the name of Jesus. My name is Alan Griffin. I'm excited to be here and yell at y'all today. And I want you to know that this whole weekend is going to be power, power and joy together. We're going to have a great time this weekend. You're going to laugh till accidental snot bubbles come out your nose. I promise you, just get a napkin, okay? But it's going to be all right because the word that God has given us has joy attached to it but has power as it the efficacy of it in other words when you leave you're going to leave with more power more authority in fact we know that intimacy leads to that authority authority leads to power and after you get power comes supernatural world domination so when you leave here we're gonna conquer the world somebody say amen Amen. So tonight, it's going to be fun. Tonight, I wish it was tonight right now. I wish I was preaching tonight's message right now. Um, tonight, we're going to believe God for healing. Tonight, physical healing, emotional and spiritual healing tonight. If you know people that need a healing, bring them tonight. We ain't scared. In the name of Jesus, we are not scared. Listen, I have seen so many miracles, so many signs and wonders. I ain't scared of nothing anymore. I know God can do everything. So you bring everybody here tonight. Lean over your neighbor and say, even drunk Uncle Bootsy, tell him. Mm-hmm. Even crazy uncles and aunts can come. That's me. Can come tonight. And um, it's going to be powerful tonight. Bring your cell phone tonight. Tonight, you will use your phone in service. We will call people who need prayer, and we will pray for them through the phone. I believe the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, if it can sent, be sent through a, a tissue or a towel, it can be sent through the airwaves of your, your mobile device, and we're going to use that tonight. Those of you tap typing and swiping in, we're going to be praying for you online as well. Don't miss that tonight at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow night is going to be even more fun. Tomorrow night, we're going to operate and flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, gifts of the Spirit. Now, one of my gifts is eating. Hey. But tonight, we're, uh, sorry, tomorrow night, Monday night is going to be Spirit Night, Holy Spirit Night. So here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow night, come ready to go and have a good time in the Spirit. That means this. You don't have to dress up for me tomorrow night. You can come in work clothes. You can come in school clothes. You can come in a t-shirt and some shorts. If you, you're cool with going out in this cold weather with some shorts on, but God bless you. Tomorrow night, I want you to be ready because every single person who comes in tomorrow night, God wants to give you a word, a supernatural word for you. And the gifts of the Spirit are not mystical. They're supernatural. And God wants to use you. So I'm going to do a lot of teaching tomorrow night. My pastor says preaching is yelling it and teaching is telling it. So I'm going to do some yelling today and some talking tomorrow, if that's all right. And tomorrow night, every single person, I mean Every person will walk out of here with a word from God specifically for you. Every person. You won't leave without a word. God, someone's going to give you a word. We're going to give you a word tomorrow night. Okay? This is important because you need a word for 2021. Don't just walk around without one. All right? Grab your Bible with me. 
Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15, if you uh, brought your Bible. If you did not, we should have it on the screen because our tech team is on point. They, I gave them my notes really late and they still got it. I love y'all. <sighs> you're stinking amazing, man. 2 Samuel chapter 15, we'll start at verse 13. While you're looking that up, my pookie is here. Honey, would you come up here and just say hi to everybody? This is my lady. She's my lady. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. We love this church. Oh my goodness. It is so much fun. Everyone's been so sweet already. Yeah, so we live in Daytona Beach. We have two boys. They're 18 and 16. I told the first service our 18-year-old six 6'9", and then our 16-year-old is 15. No, yeah, six, six foot. Six foot yep. And um, we, you know, look up and um, say, go clean your room. <laughs> but they wish they could be here, but they had some basketball thing, but they send their regards. But thank you so much for having us. Mm, mm, mm. Isn't she lovely? It's my girl, man. Shoot. I just want to put her in my pocket. By the way, you can meet my pookie back there with Sister Dolores, who, by the way, is gorgeous. Why are you so pretty? Like, I came back, and I was like, is everybody in this church gorgeous? Look around and tell your neighbor, you look good. I'm just saying. Y'all just spiritually look good, physically look good. Y'all probably all just connected somehow. Shoot. That's my cousin. That's my aunt. That's why we look so good. But at the back, you can meet Sister Dolores or my lady. I'll be back there, too, hopefully hugging you if you let me hug you. You should let me hug you, and uh, I'll meet you at the back. And you can get one of our ministry materials. Now, I have a, a, a DVD CD series called The Aroma. I'll be preaching out of it just this morning, okay? But you can get that set back there. It's DVD and CD of two different messages. When I open it, you got to make me feel good because we worked hard on it. And you go, ooh, ah, ready, go. Do it backwards. I love all of you. <laughs> You're awesome. And uh, you can get our message this morning, Aroma in its entirety. I won't get to every part of it, but you can get the whole message on there. Um, also, a sermon in there called The Place Setting. Oh, I wish I was preaching that tonight, but I know God gave me something else. But The Place Setting um, is available. At the end of every message, I give an opportunity for people to come to faith in Christ. And so if you have loved ones who don't know Christ, get the CD, DVD, put it in your car. Put that sinner in your car and lock the doors. Don't let them out. Let them, if they get hungry, go to a drive-thru. If they get thirsty, go to a drive-thru. If they get, got to go to the bathroom, stop at 7-Eleven and get them a Slurpee cup. But don't let them out your car. They're going to get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Then you can take an offering in the front seat for gas. Shoot, that'd be good. Um, you can also get our book, Undefeated. I, I told our first gathering this morning, um, the 8 o'clock people, that God bless them. They didn't look quite as beautiful as you look. Um, but I told them about how uh, Charisma Publishing approached me about writing a book for them. And they said, Alan, this time you can write anything you want. I said, sweet. They go, what do you want to write about? I said, victory. And, and they said, well, explain that. Unpack that. I said, listen, victory is when people meet you now who knew you then. And when they meet you now, they go, what happened? You're not the person I knew before. I mean, you used to be okay, but wow, what, what happened? And you look at them and you go, I know, right? Look what the Lord has done. That supernatural victory. There's supposed to be a difference, a joy, a power in our life that was not there before. How do we get that? Something there that was not there before. How do we get it? 
And this book is all about walking in that. Whether you're brand new to Christ or you've been walking with Jesus for 40, 50, 60 years, this book will help you about supernatural victory in your life. It's so good. I love that book. Um, and then we have t-shirts. We don't always have shirts. I just thought it would be cool because um, our, our country needs this shirt. Okay? People getting called names out there. You this, you that, your mama this. And I thought, we need a shirt that talks about who Jesus is. So I did a shirt. And it reminds me, it's a Sunday school song in a shirt, okay? Remember the song? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious. Remember that? Now, when I was about eight, nine years old, I didn't care about none of the other colors. They say black, I'd be like, black! <laughs> They'd be calling me names like, you racist. Black! You know, the white kids are like, what? You know, it was awesome. The Asian kids were like, we're not really yellow. Asian. You know. So I did some brown, too, because there's brown people in here. And it's cages, y'all brown. Just tell the truth. Y'all brown. You know you brown. So you could get a shirt. And I love it because on the back, it says unity. Because where Jesus is, he calls us all together. Together, we make up the body of Christ. And it's beautiful. Some of you know there's a color on there for our kids that are in the spectrum because I believe God has fearfully and wonderfully made all of us. <laughs> Where was I? We're going to talk about the word. 2 Samuel chapter 15. If you're ready, say, go ahead, preacher. All right, I'm about to do this. In this scene in the Bible, David, that's the king. Everybody say the king. The king's in trouble. The king is in trouble. In fact, his own son named Absalom is trying to kill him and steal his throne. Somebody say that's messed up. Mm -hmm. So let's go there. Second Samuel chapter 15. And this message is brought to you. Why is my, why you don't want to open? Brought to you by the Bible. Mm -hmm. Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 13. A messenger came and told David, the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, he says, come, we must flee or none of us will escape Absalom. We must leave immediately or he will move quickly to overtake us, bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. That's messed up. The king's officials answered him and said, your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. So the king set out with his entire household following him, but he left 10 concubines to take care of the palace. Pastor, you can preach about concubines next week. I ain't doing that. <laughs> so the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at the edge of the city. All his men marched past him, along with all the Carathites and the Pelathites and the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath, marched before the king. Let's skip down to verse 23. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Kidron Valley, and the people moved on toward the wilderness. Zadok was there too. And all the Levites who were with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. What were they carrying? The Ark of the, of, what is that? What's the Ark of the Covenant of God? His presence. I can explain it like this. God was so kind in the first testament of the Bible that he told the people of Israel this. He said, listen, y'all have a very rudimentary understanding of who God is, of what deity is, and you're so used to your weird idols. He goes, I, I want you to do something for me. Build a box. And I'm going to put a representation of my presence in that box. 
And wherever you go, bring the box. Wherever you camp, put the box in the middle of the camp. When you worship, have the box there. Because I'm a God who doesn't just want to lord over you. I'm a God who wants to dwell among you. A, a, a relational God. They'd never experienced anything like it. Then Jesus shows up in the New Testament, and Jesus says, God will no longer have his habitation in wood and stone. No, he wants his habitation in blood and bone. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the place where the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the relationship with God, the presence of God lives. Woo! In other words, you're the box. Lean over your neighbor and say, you're the box. You might want to tell them the truth. I'm a good-looking box. Mm -hmm. Tell them. They need to know the truth. The truth will make them free. So it says this. They set down the box, and Abiathar offered sacrifices. That's a powerful word. Dig it up a little bit later. Offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Father, this morning, I pray that your word would transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. 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 Now, when I was reading this story, I couldn't help but think, poor David. It seemed like all the time David was in trouble. Whether it was when he was a shepherd in the field and lions and tires and bears were trying to kill him. Or when he's a worship leader in the, the house of King Saul and King Saul's so jealous, he's throwing spears at David trying to kill him. David's life was always in danger. But did you notice something about David? I love this about David. No matter what goes wrong in his life, he never gave up and he never lost his composure. He never quit on God and went, oh, forget you, God, ah, oh, too much. No. And so whenever we see someone with character like that, we need to study it so that we can apply it to our own lives. Because I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you. I've been watching y'all on Facebook for a minute. I've been paying attention to your pastor for a while. The man can drop bombs on the devil. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Y'all been getting called names. Y'all been mistreated. Y'all have people talking garbage about you everywhere. Y'all been put down, stepped on. Y'all been told you this and that. Let me tell you something, man. David understands us. He understands the junk we have to face day in and day out. And if we're going to overcome the way God wants us to and live in the supernatural victory he's called us to live in, we need to understand the qualities of this man who has caused, who caused an entire nation to be blessed. How do we do it? First thing you need to know is David knew his identity. So the number one way we're going to walk in victory through all the struggles we face is, number one, know your identity. Do you know who you are? Do you? The only way we know who we are is when bad things happen and we stay being the person we're supposed to be. So David's leaving the city. His son's trying to kill him. Get this. David stops running for his life and says, hey, priest, hey, servants of the Most High God, start offering sacrifices. I'm going to stand right here while everyone else is running for their lives, and I'm going to wait while sacrifices are all offered until all the people are done leaving the city. I don't know about you, but if somebody's chasing me to kill me, I'm running. And I might trip you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> keep running. What was that? And then, get this, in 2 Samuel chapter 16, a hater shows up. Y'all got haters in Louisiana? Y'all got haters here in Eunice? What, what parish is this? St. Landry? Oh, yeah, there's St. Landry. I know there's haters in St. Landry. People are like, what's a hater? People that wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning. 
they drink haterade and they eat hater tots. Haters. There's one in the Bible named Shimei. Shimei was a hater. Shimei. That's the new Christian cuss word. You stub your toe at your bed at night, but Shimei. Because Shimei was a hater from the first order, man. David's leaving and he thinks David's defeated. So he's a hater because he loved the old king. Oh, man, I'm preaching now. He didn't like this new king. He wanted the old king because that was his family. He wanted him. So David's looking like he's defeated. He goes, ah, David, you got what you deserve. Picks up rocks, starts throwing rocks at the king. Talking about you ain't nothing but a murderer and a scoundrel. Abishai, David's number one mighty man, walks up to David and goes, yo, man, really? You gonna let this fool throw stuff at you? Let me go up on that hillside and bust a cap. <laughs> That's in the ghetto translation of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> he actually talks about murdering homeboy. And, and David says this. This, this is what David says. This is David's response. He goes, Abishai, my own son, my flesh and blood, is trying to kill me. How much more this guy who's from the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Saul, the former king? He goes, leave him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord has told him to. Perhaps, he says, the Lord will look down upon me, see my misery, and restore to me his covenant blessing. Instead of his curse today, I read that and I went, hold on, covenant blessing. Ooh, I could just preach the, that right there for a week. Covenant blessing. Thus the sacrifices come into order. Thus the sacrifices come into play. This is fascinating. David didn't hurt his number one critic on the trail of tears. He didn't attack him back. He didn't even try to hurt him. I mean, he didn't even kick nothing. Didn't even kick dirt in his dress. Nothing. David knew something. He knew his identity. Who was David? What was David's title? He was the, the king. You know, I learned about the the kings of Israel. They're different than European kings. The kings of Israel, their entire purpose for existence was to enlarge the kingdom or to protect the kingdom. When God established Saul as the first king of Israel, He said, "I have seen." The tears of my people and their cries for deliverance have come up to me. Therefore, I will send a soldier, a warrior, to defend them and protect them and to give them a place in this world. That was their purpose. See, kings don't fight battles over personal insults and slights. See, it's not our job to fight this world. You're more than a conqueror. You don't need to fight this world. To be a conqueror means you fight. To be more than a conqueror means you stay home, and the conqueror comes home with, with victorious battle-fought booty that they put in your hands, and you go, ooh, that's a bag full of gold. Thank you. I didn't even have to fight for it. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. Therefore, our nation doesn't need to know what we're against. Our community needs to know what we are for. We are fighting for the brokenhearted. We are fighting for the wounded. You guys have been fighting for the mission of Jesus Christ going around the world. You fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. That's what this church, that's what New Hope is about. And God sees it. And remember, he does the fighting. He does the fighting. All we do is the fellowship. Mm, I could preach that, but I got to hurry up. I'm thinking about donuts right now. There's like donuts back there. Did you know there's donuts back there? You need to serve and volunteer in this church because this church eats. You looking all skinny and hungry. The reason? You don't volunteer. Look at me. I serve. 
Where was I? <laughs> if you fight your critics, you get what your critics have. Kings only fight to take things for the kingdom and you win everything every time you fight because you're a kingdom kid so here's the deal you fight your critic you become critical you become like them don't do it don't fight your critic know who you are and some of us here we struggle with our identity because we have problems that are so big and we think you know what it's big to me but it ain't big to god god don't care yes he does he cares about every single thing Every single issue. We, we think, oh, God, there's so many things going on in the world. How could you care about my one little thing? No, 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 no. He cares about every little thing. And he has the power to care of it. He does. In fact, some of us think God doesn't care about our problems and our situations. Oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. I don't need to worry about it. Yes, you do need to trust God with it. Yes, you do. Oh, I'm not going to come tonight for healing because all I got is that athlete's foot. Listen, you don't need no tough act. It's enacted. You need the king of glory. <laughs> Probably not getting invited back, but <laughs> just one instance of how we understand how much God loves us will help you and I overcome situations like David. Just one thing, do this for me. Just Eric, just sniff. See? Now, if you can't smell, we ask that you immediately walk. <laughs> Bless your little heart. <laughs> We will pray for COVID tonight. That COVID gets its tail knocked out by Jesus. That's what we're praying tonight. You have, if you're dealing with COVID and you want to come here and be prayed for, we will pray for you. Now, we will have you stand at a specific place outside. And we will lay hands on you. I ain't scared to lay my hands on you. I'll put my shakabaka all over you tonight. I ain't scared of none of y'all. He laid his hands on lepers. I ain't seen none of y'all nose fall off this week. I don't even know where I am now. Just smelling is an indication of God's incredible love for you and God's incredible plan for your life. This is why there's a perceived fight between science and, and theology and technology. There is no fight, there is no disagreement. We agree on 99% of existence, science, theology, and technology, we agree. That what the enemy wants us to do is a major on the minors, but there is one thing that we need to fight about, and that's not with each other, it's just in our own selves, and that is this, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You didn't just happen, you were made. The Bible says God named animals and they were created. Jesus and the Father went, let there be light, boom. Let there be animals. Let there be firmaments. All that happened through words. But when he got to you, he said this, let us make. You were made. His scripture says, I knit you in your mother's womb. You raggedy Ann and raggedy Andy. You don't know that? You, you young, okay? He knit you. He handcrafted you. Everything else he spoke. You, he got his hands dirty. He got down in the dirt and said, I'm going to form you of the dust of the ground and breathe into, breathe into your nostrils the ruach, the very breath of life. Woo! White people, he made you out of sand. That's why you like the beach so much. That's your people out there. Black people, he made you out of dark, rich, Potting soil, not manure, potting soil. 
<laughs> Cajuns, you know you were made out of clay. Crazy clay. That's my people. Where was I? You were made by God. It's so important. And this one area, just aroma, can help you and I understand our value to God. Let, let me explain. We think God doesn't care about all of our situations, but, but let me explain how foolish I am when I think that. I'm so foolish because I don't even know how my body works, but I think God doesn't care about it. Isn't that weird? We don't know the, the littlest thing about our body. Like, how does your nose work? I don't know. I know God don't care about me. Really? You have that much revelation, but you don't know how your nose works? I can tell you how your nose works and tell you why I know that God cares. Number one, I can tell you this. Smells are powerful. Okay? They're powerful. They're, they're supernatural at times, too. I walked in your church. Your church smells like victory. You know what some victory smells like? It smells like coffee and cleaning products. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some churches smell like dirty diapers and bad decisions. <laughs> I'm not getting invited back. That was bad. But they're powerful. They can change an atmosphere. It, it, let me explain. Your mind, your, your brain is so sophisticated, it can break down the elements of complex chemical compounds to animate an oral understanding of its identity. You could just be hanging out and you go, I smell flour, a little baking powder, salt, butter. What are you smelling? Bread. You can even determine what kind of, someone's like cookies. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what I smell in my head. It's like, yeah, there's not even shot named sugar, but you like cookies. You can determine what kind of bread it is with one sip. Wheat, rye, pumpernickel. You could be sitting in church and be like, uh-huh, I smell some bread. And you know what? I know what kind of bread. She done burnt up that bread. Even how good the bread is, you can determine with one sniff. Isn't that amazing? How does it work? Get this. You have millions of receptor, receptors in your olfactory epithelium. Over 450 just different types of receptors. These receptors extend signals to two places. To the piriform cord. This sounds real deep, but it's not. And the thalamus gland. The piriform cortex identifies the smell. So you're hanging out, and you're like, barbecue. Mm, mm, mm. Then the thalamus, or the relay station, extends that signal to three places simultaneously. Your brain is amazing. Piriform cortex, then the thalamus, it goes to the orbital frontal cortex. And that determines the, 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 the pleasure of the smell. So you go, barbecue, right? Then good barbecue. There's a difference. There's that nasty stuff, and then there's that good stuff. That stuff that makes you reach for some extra, you know, some red pop or some root beer, that stuff. You're like, ooh, shaka Khan. <laughs> then the hippocampus comes in, which gives you a learned response to the smell. So first thing you smell is what? Barbecue. What kind of barbecue? Good. Then the next one is your learned response. Eat it. Eat it now. Okay, my brain says that all day. Then finally, the amygdala draws on the memory of that smell, what you've done before. So it starts with what? Then it goes to what kind of barbecue? What do we do with the barbecue? Finally, it's, you go, 4th of July, 2017. That was a wonderful barbecue. Those are called memories. I actually made that up. <laughs> memories are awesome. Everybody has memories, man. Good memories, bad memories. You ever had a good memory? Like you're walking around, you smell the right cologne, the right perfume, and you're like, ooh, yeah. I said, oh, yeah. And I had the time of my life where I never felt this. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, you're walking around and you smell the wrong memory. 
You get a memory that reminds you some heartbreak, some breakup, some, some you got dumped. It was a mutual dump. You know it wasn't. You got dumped, player. And you're walking around, and you're like, oh, no. Now we've come to the end of the road, Susie. Don't act like you didn't have that habit. Everybody has memories. Did you know God has memories? This is so amazing. God has memories. In Genesis chapter 8, Noah and his family come out of this huge boat called the ark, saved from a, a dynamic flood that destroyed all living things on earth. And after they came out of that ark, God had saved them. Not only that, seven of every ceremony and socially clean animal and two of every ceremony and socially unclean animal. Why those numbers different? And this might be why. When they came out of the ark, that boat, this is what Noah did. It says, taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, Noah offered a sacrifice. Hold up. What's that word again? Sacrifice. Say it louder. Sacrifice. Noah offered a sacrifice on the altar to God. And then, or taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, so the seven, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. What did God do? He what smelled? He, he smelled. The pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never like curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. And God goes, there's a ribbon in the sky for our love rainbow covenant. He establishes, I will be your God. You be my people. Walk in the way I command you that it may go well with you. Yeah. Established with an aroma. Oh, Alan, that's just one time. That's just one thing. That's just one situation. Okay, let's keep going. In Exodus chapter 30, God establishes the holy anointing oil. I love this. In Exodus 30, he says this. This is an ointment compounded according to the art of a perfumer. And he tells that Moses, he goes, I want you to make an ointment, and I want you to make it for prophets and priests and kings. And he says seven times it will be holy, 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 holy. And he says this, if you pour any of this oil on anybody who's not a prophet, priest, or king, future king, they're to be excommunicated from my people. For this perfume is for me throughout all generations. In fact, I went to Israel years ago and I tried to buy the elements of the original anointing oil and even the Muslim brothers and sisters in the marketplaces in Jerusalem said, uh-uh, what do you want this for? Nope, we can't do it. It is not to be done, they said, because it's still sacred. A perfume, a cologne that God wanted his servants to wear so they smell good. Wow. Let's keep going. Jesus is born in the New Testament. And when Jesus is born, we celebrate Christmas. Wise men appear, magi. And, and on their camels, they brought treasures to little boy Jesus of gold, frankincense, and? Remember we sang about it. We three kings of glory and awe. Interesting. Two of the three gifts they gave little boy Jesus were aroma gifts. Frankincense and myrrh. The most valuable gift they gave Jesus that day was not gold. Gold was, was worth less than myrrh. Myrrh was worth more than its own weight in gold. Aroma, 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 aroma. How about the tabernacle? Those of you in this service, you know, the tabernacle had three specific locations. The outer court, the inner court, mm -hmm, and then the holy of holies, or the holy place. And, and the high priest only could go into the holy of holies where what was sitting? The Ark of the Covenant, the box. And he could only go in there once a year. And even then, he had to be prepared. You know what I'm saying? And if there's a major catastrophe, then he would go in unannounced and be nervous. Yeah. 
But when he went in, he would grab an, a censer, that's a box or an orb that held incense. He'd go to the altar, grab some incense, put it in the altar, and he would put that censer beyond this 13-inch thick veil, we believe, and he'd wave it before the Ark of the Covenant. Just stick his arm in and wave it to prepare the presence of God with an aroma representing supplication and intercession long before he walked in the room. Preparing the atmosphere of God with an aroma. Aroma, aroma, aroma. Get this, or I should say, but wait, there's more. This is so fun. The Bible says that you have an aroma. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also did and gave himself for us a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. I love that the Bible describes Jesus as sweet. The Old Testament sacrifices of animals, they called savory. But God got tired of those sacrifices because they got to the point where it was religious and not relational because they were supposed to have a barbecue with God. And at some point, they went, oh, we'll just do a ceremony and get on with our party. See, they were supposed to worship with God. That's why when we fast, we fast with God. And then when we feast, we feast with God. We're not supposed to do any of that without him. He's supposed to be in everything we do. And they got to the point where they didn't have a minute. And so he said this to the prophets, I'm tired of your sacrifices. They're boring. You ain't spending time with me. So Jesus came. And Jesus said, no, 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 my sacrifices will give you access directly to the Father. You don't have to go through Moses or, or any other great prophet or priest. You get to go straight to the Father yourself. I'm going to give my life. And the Bible says, in the first testament, it will save you when Jesus came. Sweet. In fact, it was kind of like the first course was in the first testament, but dessert came with Jesus. Mm, I could, but you, you, ain't, you better shout with me right now. I'm preaching right now. But did you catch it? It says that you and I are to act like children. Do you know that you're God's baby? What smells better than a baby? Hold up, a clean baby. <laughs> Not that little poo-poo baby. I'm a clean baby. I mean, you smell that baby. Oh, man. Some of you are young and you're like, I don't, I don't really... I ain't getting it right. Just wait till you get a little older. It's crazy. The, the Smithsonian Institute did a 40-year study in the aroma of a baby and the effect it has on its parents. Here's what they discovered. The aroma of a, ch a child has a decided effect, a physiological change in the, in the man or the woman, the mom or the dad particularly. And here's what happens. It causes you to do two things. The smell of your baby causes you to bond with your baby or service for your baby. Bond with your baby or serve your baby. That literally, you smell your kid and you lose control. They said grandmama worse than, than even the parents. They said grandmama gets so crazy, she says stuff that doesn't even make sense, but everybody understands what she's saying, because grandma ain't never lied once, right? So grandma sniffs your baby, go, I just want to eat that little baby up. I want to bite them little fingernails. It's amazing. The, the grandmama has, is, is the, she's the nature of love and the nature of God. You're his baby. In fact, Jesus said this. If you're going to come in the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You must come in like a baby. You're his baby. That's how he sees you. Some of y'all naughty little babies. <laughs> but you're a baby nonetheless. Come on up here, worship lady. Make me sound spiritual. You're his baby. Oh, there you are. Hey. 
first service, you over here. Why are you tricking Houdini? He's so in love with you. And we tend to think that in the story of our life, we're the adult, right? We're the adult. We're walking around, we're making decisions, and the decisions we do cause problems, and we have to fix those problems ourselves. But to God, you're his baby. You're a naughty little baby sometimes. And he looks at you and goes, oh my goodness, would you just stop? But he's not tromping, tramping over there to beat you. He's coming over to save you. Huh. The, the final scripture I have before you go to lunch is 2 Corinthians. It says this. Now, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph through Christ and through us diffuses his fragrance in every place for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are are being saved and among those who are perishing I love that to one the aroma of life leading to life to the other the aroma of death leading to death and who is sufficient for those things I wish I had all day to explain that last part, but because it's so good, it's all about your testimony. But let me go to the earlier part. Get this, no matter how much we mess up, God sees you as a, a dirty, naughty baby, and all he wants to do is pick you up, clean you up, and snuggle, and hold you. He just wants to love you. I'm so glad that he's a dad that knows how to change diapers. I was real good at it because my mom had two daycare centers when I was a kid. And I had 26 foster brothers when I was a kid. And so we knew how to, not at one time. We're not the Waltons, okay? We're the Griffins. Just the chocolate version, you know. Good night, John boy. It's more like, good night, boy. <laughs> Yo, John. <laughs> That's dumb. I learned how to change diapers and uh, my wife and I got married I was the I was the man at changing diapers I could turn that blanket into a burrito my mama taught me everything my daddy too and, I, and what I used to do is at night I would um, a lot of times sing to my sons I just sing a little song make something up they'd be laying in bed and they go to sleep not immediately usually because they're naughty but It'd take a little while, and they'd go to sleep. And one time, we were living in Fort Myers, remember that? And my wife called me, because I wasn't there. And my son was in the bed, Israel, he was in bed. Now he's six, eight, but then he was just two foot. And he's, ah, 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 ah. My wife goes, he's singing to himself in bed. He knows you're not here, so he's doing your job. And I went, that's it. The Bible says that God loves you so much, he sings love songs to you. He sings lullabies to his baby. And when, even though we can't hear in the flesh what he's doing in the spirit, we sing back. We can't see him, but we trust him. We don't know for sure, but we have faith that he's got our back. So we worship him and we let him know, I love you. I know you've got my back. I know you're going to take care of everything. David, 
Everyone's leaving the town. He's listening. He's, he's smelling the sacrifice. He's reminding himself of who God is to him, that God will never leave him or forsake him. And then while he's walking out into the wilderness, in Psalm 3, he writes a song about it. He writes a song about God's deliverance. You see, my final point is so quick, it's kind of a trick. It's like the second point's like the end. My final point is this. How do you overcome and live in victory when things are going bad around you? Number two. Remember your training. Remember your history. Remember what you've been through. Has God ever left you? No. Has God ever turned you down? No. Has God ever turned you out? No. Has he ever forsaken you? No. Will he ever do it? No. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He won't trip you, trap you, or dump you. He loves you. He's got your back. He's singing love songs to you right now. And the angels know every word. He won't stop. And so one of the ways we remember our training is worship. It's one of the best ways to remember what God's done for you. That's why we sing songs. We take historic events in our lives and we write about it and we say, listen, this will help me never forget what God has done for me. Never forget that he's been there for me. Never forget. Can you see David? Walking around these walls. Shimei, murderer. I thought by now they'd fall. Shimmy, I can't stand you, King. But you have never failed me yet. <laughs> His man Abishai, ooh, I like this jam. Waiting for change to come. Knowing the battles won. But you have never failed me yet. Promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. He didn't have to worry. 40 days later, that man marched right back into that city victorious. His son was defeated. He didn't have to worry about anything and every song he wrote came true god brought him through god had his back that naughty little baby was picked up saved cleaned up and put back in his position and guess who met him at the gate shimmy a hater i'm sorry king i didn't mean any of that <laughs> david i ain't gonna kill you yet <laughs> he'll make your haters your celebrators. God loves you. Can I pray for you? Sometimes your victory is right underneath your nose. It's in your mouth. Sometimes you just need to sing it before it happens. Like David. And just trust him. Before you can see him, trust him. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? Maybe you're here and you're thinking, Alan, I want to be God's baby. I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, or I want to restart my relationship with Jesus Christ, because, man, it has gotten bad, and I'm not living the way I should. If that's you, when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. As soon as you put it up, my friend, you can put it right back down and just say, hey, Alan, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to restart my relationship with Jesus. Pray for me, preacher. Yes, I will. All I want you to do is be real. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to be real. When I count to three, raise your hand. As soon as you put it up, you can put it right back down. We're not trying to stare you down. Ready? You say, I want that prayer. Here we go. One, two, three. Throw it up right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see hands everywhere. We're family. That's how we roll. Anybody else? You're like, man, I'm in. Yes. Who else? Oh, yeah. You were just wiping your hair. <laughs> Who else? Awesome. 
you're the best will you take your right hand and put it over your heart as soon as you have your right hand over your heart I want you to stand up and I don't want you to try to leave because if you try to leave black man will tackle you right now I ain't scared of none of y'all nor your uncle this is the most important moment pastor is going to come in a moment he's going to give us instructions on how this moment leads to moments and that's what we need as a family of God we're family how do we ingratiate how do we ingratiate ourselves to one another how do we draw together and care for each other that's what church is about we are unity awesome say this prayer with me say Lord Jesus say it like this dear Jesus Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life so I could have a new life. I need your forgiveness to take away my sin and make me new. I'm yours forever and ever. And now I get to have you forever and ever. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this room because there's so many right now they are going through difficult times. And, Lord, they're singing through tears, and they're singing through pain, and they're singing through storms, and they're singing through nightmares. Father, I pray right now that you bring victory to your people, that you would show us that you can come in and save the day, that you'll scoop us up in your arms and sing a love song and let us know that everything's going to be all right. Father, I pray for peace and comfort and unity and joy. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen, 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 amen. amen.